This is our fourth session on Philippians 4, 4 to 7, and we're going to focus on what it means not to be anxious. Might seem obvious, but there are issues that make it a little less than obvious. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all people. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So, Father, as we try to understand what it is not to be anxious, would you clarify for our minds and then for our emotions and the actions which flow from freedom from anxiety, would you be pleased to show us the truth of what you intend here? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I do that, I was meditating on this issue again of the fact that Paul says, present, don't rejoice. And then he says, I will. Remember a couple sessions ago, I put a big emphasis on this future tense here. Don't uh, go on rejoicing right now, always. And then he says, I'm going to keep on saying this. Rejoice. And I said, he's going to keep on saying it because this always just keeps on going. There's so many difficult things coming that he's going to have to keep telling them this. Well, I had never thought about the parallel that exists back here in Philippians 1, 18 to 19. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. So right now, Christ is being proclaimed even by those who are opposed to me and angry at me or upset with me and trying to make my imprisonment miserable, and I'm rejoicing, yes, and I will rejoice. So that repetition here and this future tense makes me think that's not unlike what we have here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will keep on saying rejoice, and here I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, because this will rejoice means he's going to talk here about living and dying. It's going to turn out for my deliverance whether I live or whether I die. And so the same idea seems to be in play. He wants to let them know he's rejoicing, and no matter what comes, live or die, he's going to keep on rejoicing. And, and back here, rejoice always. And I'm going to keep on saying this because there are a lot of future things coming that you can't predict. So I just thought I'd point out that similarity with chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Now let's go to the point. What does it mean not to be anxious? And if you say, well, isn't that obvious that <laughs> worry and anxiety, I mean, Jesus said not to be anxious. Paul says not to be anxious. Anxiety is an evidence of uh, lack of faith. So what's the complexity here? Well, what what's the complexity is that here we are in chapter 2, of Philippians, referring to Timothy as one of Paul's champions and models of faith. And he says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned. And it's exactly the same word, just happens to come over into English as concern. This is the word merimnao, just like we see it here in uh, Philippians 4. So, don't be anxious about anything in chapter 4, verse 6, and yet we have 
Timothy as the model of love and faith, being genuinely anxious, same word, for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus. But you know Timothy's not like that. He's seeking the interests of Jesus Christ, which is the interest of of others, your welfare. So, there's a positive meaning for anxiety and a negative meaning for anxiety. Here it is again in 1 Corinthians 12.25. That there may be no division in the body of Christ, but that the members may have the same care. Here's the word again. The same anxiety, translated care, for one another, just like Timothy was showing. And if you say, well, maybe, maybe the issue is don't feel this for yourself. Don't be anxious for yourself, but, but it's okay to be anxious for others. Well, there are two problems with that. One is that anxiety is a what? lack of trust that causes you to be fearful and fretful and the fact that you feel that for your kids and not for yourself may not be any sign of greater faith than if you feel it for yourself. And here's the other problem. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, Paul says, it is fitting that there be care for others and appropriate care for yourself. I mean, you should eat. You should eat. You should not starve yourself to death. You should put on clothing before you go out in a bitter cold winter. You should not walk in front of trucks. You should get some education and try to know how to read the Bible. In other words, looking to your own interests for the glory of Christ is a good thing, just like looking to the interests of others is a good thing. But anxiety can be for yourself negative and for others negative. So the question is, what is, uh, what is wrong with this? What's bad anxiety? And I'm going to suggest from the context near and, and a few verses later, the answer. What's wrong with anxiety is the loss of the peace of God. The peace of God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus from this kind of bad anxiety. That's what you're going to be guarded from at least so, first statement about what it means to have negative anxiety would be, whether it's for yourself or for others, it means you're losing your peace, your contentment. This anxiety is rising to the level, not of appropriate concern, but of lack of peace, lack of trust that God will come through for you. Here's my second Suggestion just from a few verses later. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need. So one might get an anxious about not having enough food or clothing or shelter or money. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That's the opposite of sinful anxiety. 
to be content. I know how to be brought low. It might make you anxious, but if you have this contentment, evidently it doesn't. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Like Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. And now he's saying, in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Hunger would certainly tend to make you anxious if you didn't have this secret. What's that? Abundance and need. I can do all things. I can abound. I can face plenty. I can face hunger. I can be brought low. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, Enough trust in Christ who strengthens us to bring us this contentment turns sinful anxiety into appropriate care for others and appropriate care for yourself. One other thing. The logic we pointed out last time between... The Lord is at hand, therefore be gentle to everyone. And the Lord is at hand, therefore don't be anxious about anything. This nearness of the power of the Lord to bring recompense is the logical way Peter in 1 Peter 5 talks. Here he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Now, what's the logic here? There's two things. There's humility, which I think is a very close cousin with gentleness. In other words, if you have a a humble, trusting demeanor, you're going to be a more gentle rather than acerbic or uh, fighting or quarrelsome personality. So humble yourself in view of God's exalting you at the proper time and casting all your anxieties on him in view of God exalting you at the proper time. And this, this proper time here, I'm arguing, is the second coming. So the argument here is when you are under the mighty hand of God and you are trusting him now and you are expecting that at the proper time he will vindicate you from your lowly position where you might be abused, but you're responding in gentleness. When you're that confident in being exalted at the proper time, you will both be anxiety-free and humble. And so the logic is very similar to let everybody know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand, and when he comes, he's going to vindicate you in your gentleness and lowliness, and he's going to bring justice on those who have made your life dangerous and miserable, so you don't need to be anxious now. So next time, we'll turn to prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and how that all relates 
to being free from anxiety.